Hey, Matt. Hey, I got some burning questions for you about the podcast. Okay. <laughs> You're supposed to say something like, oh, well, that's totally convenient because because we totally have a cream for that. <laughs> <laughs> it burns when I pee. Oh, my God. <laughs> We've been hearing a lot of chatter. A lot of you guys have some questions that you want us to answer uh, in another Q&A. We did one about six months ago, and it was a lot of fun. So we are going to be doing another Q&A on the Patreon. So what you can do, you can get us any questions that you have. Just send them to me, Paul, through the Discord. You can private message me, and then we will be answering those questions and putting them up on Patreon. So if you are a patron, you'll have access to uh, to that Q&A. And if you are not a patron, but you would like to hear what we have to say, then go check out our Patreon. We need all those questions in by July 18th. And so that will be the hard cutoff. So if you have a question, DM the DM. Just slide right into the DMs. Oh. But there's a hard cutoff. <laughs> oh, Sabrina, the way you said that, that was super painful. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, evocation red crystal back from the disciples of danger who stole it after killing an appraiser that Bordemus hired. Our heroes came to this square uh, just in time to see the deal start to turn south as the, uh, what, what did I call them again? The, the disciples of dis- danger. <laughs> the disciples of danger were... Welcome to the danger zone. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the disciples of danger were in the middle of uh, dealing with the fractured force in a um, in an attempted sale, and it was starting to turn south, just as Ebby, dressed up like an old French hooker, um, apparently <laughs> uh, ran into some of King Tenor's forces that were there to get the crystal for him. There were two uh, rifle-wielding soldiers, and two bishops stood up from their hiding places, and a fight ensued. The disciples of danger were all taken out except for the leader who ran off. And the fractured force has grabbed the crystal and are attempting to get it away. And it looks like the leader of the fractured force is just a few steps away from taking off with that crystal. But more pressing, uh, Ebi has managed to free these bishops, these large 12 foot tall Ormex from their bondage being bound to obey these rifle-wielding soldiers, but they are still connected somehow. Every time these riflemen are attacked, they siphon off some of that damage to the bishops, and one of those bishops is looking in very bad shape. Pine, it's your turn. Yeah, stop pussyfooting around. It's my turn. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Actually, let me paint a picture real quick of kind of where everyone's at, okay? So we have the leader of the Fractured Force is off to the west, about to take off into the main part of Arkelvy with Nari hot on his heels, and Roos is just a little bit further behind, hiding by a building. Um, Further to the north, we have a bishop who is in bad shape. We have the rifle-wielding soldier um, who she has been uh, attacking at the bishop, and Ebi is there with them. And then further to the west, we have Bordemus and the male rifle-wielding soldier, along with the other bishop. And in the south, we have Pine and Kenigzestok, surrounded by unconscious wieners. <laughs> I was going to say, the fractured forces are suffering from fractured skulls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Pine, you are up. Okay, so I can't see anybody that's still conscious or alive. So Pine is going to chase after the leader of the uh, fractured uh, faces. And uh, (laughs) I can't get within range. Um, I'm going to use my bonus action to bring Kenning's S-Talk up as well, 20 feet. Um, So right next to me. And then because I can't get within range, I'm going to use my action to uh, once again do a paralyzing shout. So Pine will shout, Trouble this battleground no more! And the leader has to make a DC 16 wisdom save or be paralyzed. Okay, he rolled a natural 13. Let's see what his wisdom modifier is. It's really low. Uh, You know what? Negative one is what I think. Oh my gosh, you're kidding me. No, his wisdom save is a plus three. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. It (sighs) failed. Let me point out something to all of our listeners who may not know this. I, as the DM, I roll in front of the board every time. Even when it's things that the players don't know what's happening, I'm just making rolls. 
I always make sure that my players see the role. And it's terrifying. It keeps me honest. <laughs> it's horrifying. Uh, okay, Pine, that is your turn. Roos, you are up. How is he carrying this gem? Like, it's it's huge, right? It is, it's huge, but as you guys recall, it was surprisingly light. Vortimus and Nari were able to haul it back, just the two of them. Um, he can haul it, he can now drag it by himself. It'll, it'll have his movement, but at this point he is 10 feet away from the edge of the board, uh, from the edge of the map. And, and I said last time, if they get the crystal off the map, it's gone, or at least it's out of this combat, okay? Okay. And so he can drag it, it looks like. And I will tell you, he is bloodied, but he still looks like he's got quite a bit of fight left in him. So I'm going to run to the side of the stairs next to him. And I'm actually going to try and grab the crystal and pull it away. Okay, why don't you make, make, make your athletics check to see if you can grab this crystal from him. And he uh, rolled as well. He got a, he rolled a natural 15, which means he got 15. Roos got a 17 on his athletics. <laughs> okay, so now you guys are both fighting over this crystal. So since I beat him on the opposed, can I pull it away? Yeah, I'd say you can you can pull it out of his hands. Yes. So now it clumps, it, it crashes to the ground. Now it's, he's no longer holding it. Okay. So I've got five more feet of movement, and I'm going to pull it um, just a little bit closer to Nari. So I would I'm say gonna... since you've only got five more feet, you can't move it at all because um, it's going to take you ten feet to move it five feet. Okay. So then I've I've got a hold of it, and he's got to get it away from me. Then. Yep. Okay. So then, um, last thing for my turn, Gigi is going to lick that guy on the uh, balcony. I probably missed on this, but a 17 to hit. That, that will hit. Oh, cool. Yeah, and actually, he's not... And actually, why don't you roll with advantage? Because he's still prone from last time. Oh, I forgot about that. Nope. <laughs> okay. It didn't matter. So I got uh, Gigi hit him for uh, four damage when she licked him. Okay. And that will be my turn. Okay. Nice. Nobody can see what's going on because that's kind of uh, for the way. Uh, I guess Gigi sees that the lick is not quite as effective as it should be and that the uh, the bishop gets an extra tiny little dent above its eye. All right. The rifleman is going to stand up and he is going to pull out a yellow crystal and aim it directly at the bishop. And the bishop is going to now need to make a wisdom saving throw um, and failed. The bishop is now slowed. So the bishop that has been um, damaged less is now slowed, which means he can only take an action or a bonus action, half movement, no reactions, all that fun stuff that goes along with being slowed. And then the um, rifleman is going to um, move out of Bordemus's threat range, back into the street where the earlier last episode, the leader of the Disciples of Danger had escaped to. And um, Bordemus is going to take one swing as he leaves his threat range and misses. Okay, that is the Rifleman's move. Bordemus's turn. Bordemus is going to follow behind and rush up at the uh, Rifleman and take two swings. And both of those will miss. It was an 11 and a 10. Come on, Bordemus. Get your head in the game. 
And that will bring us now to the bishops. The bishop who is slowed is simply going to turn back towards the rifleman and take a blast with the mana cannon. Um, and that will be a hit dealing, oh gosh, that's a big hit, 19 damage, which means that the bishop is gonna take nine of that and the rifleman is gonna take 10. And the other bishop, the bishop further to the north, the one who has taken more damage, the one who is standing next to Ebby. Ebby, he turns and looks at you, puts a large hand on your shoulder and says, in allele, I am through being a slave. And then rushes at the riflewoman and is going to take one attempt to grab the box that's attached to its back that you assume must be the connection that is connecting them, their life forces together. He's going to attempt to grab that box and rip it off. Ooh, got a hold of it. Let's see how much damage can do to it. All right, with uh, 22 damage, manages to rip the box off of his back and all of that healing or most of that healing that you just gave him, Ebby, at the end of our last uh, episode has been taken away, but they are no longer linked. With the other attack, this bishop is going to slam down on the riflewoman with a miss. Okay, Nari, it is your turn. All right, Nari is going to try to help out Roos. Um, he has control of the crystal, so she is going to step up and she is going to try to attack this creature. He's got red scaly skin. Um, he's like a dragon, uh, like a, a lizard folk, dragonborn, some kind of a creature like that. Uh, you guys have met a couple of them in the past. Bander, who owns the bathhouse here in town, he is uh, similar, but his scales, I believe, are blue. Cool. So she's going to get a 25 to hit. <laughs> That'll hit. With a 16 damage. Holy cow, you're doing so much damage. And then she's going to get a 23 to hit uh, with a 14 damage. Oh my gosh. And hopefully that will get him, like, her goal is just, like, not not even to kill him, but just to make sure that Roos is able to keep control of this crystal. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you right now, um, this guy is hurting very, very badly. There is still a slight chance that he will get this crystal away. He just has to make a couple of rolls. Okay, Amarok's turn. Ooh, okay. I think what Amarok's gonna do, he doesn't have enough flight to go over and help you guys with the uh, the one guy. So I think what we're gonna have Amarok do is actually try to render the help action to the Ormek that he's right next to. Um, basically, I'm imagining Amarok kind of flying around in the air and in allele saying something like, hold on, big guy, we'll take care of you. And we'll try to help him like get that box removed, basically. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. It is now the Markswoman's turn. She is going to step away from the bishop, who then gets an attack of opportunity and misses with a rolling a natural four. She pulls out a crystal. Let's see if she can do this. Is there a straight line? I am going to let the dice decide who she is going to shoot the lightning bolt at. Either it's going at the bishop or it's going at Ebby. Ebby, make a dexterity saving throw. 
Oh, here we go. What are the odds of me uh, rolling another nat 20 on this, guys? Yeah, do it. I Do it. Uh, an 18. Oh, that's oh, good nice. enough. DC 14. Um, you're still going to take 8d6, or you're going to take half of 8d6 damage. That is going to be, oh, that's huge damage. That was a Oof. 39, so half to 19 damage as a lightning bolt goes flying out of this rifle, striking a building. Oh, one thing I forgot to describe. Um, these... These riflemen have been going kind of crazy with their magical ammunition. These buildings are now on fire um, to one degree or another. And that lightning bolt is no um, no different. As it streaks and hits Ebby, it streaks past and then it hits a building behind him. And it is uh, now starting to catch fire as well. Baker's Way is going to burn. Ebby, you are up. There is so much going on right now in this battle. I think we need to take take that guy out that's trying to take out the crystal because if we lose that, then everything is kind of lost. Um, Ebby is kind of in a panic. He looks around at the Ormex who are beaten up or, you know, the, the burning buildings. And um, he kind of calls out in allele and calls on the rage of Lord Alel to strike down at these people. And so he's going to cast with his last third level spell slot this uh, lightning storm. And so a storm cloud basically starts to appear in the center of this area. Is there a radius that it, that it, that it has or something? So it says 120 feet slash 60 feet. Yeah. So you can put a 60 foot radius circle anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's maybe let's put that here. I mean, I think 60-foot radius would hit everybody on the board. It's yeah, yeah. 60-foot will, will, is definitely going to be, I mean, that's yeah, huge. Yeah, why don't we Why don't we set it right there? Because that will be, it'll be enough to get the rifle guy who's on the far eastern side of the map. It'll be enough to get the rifle woman who's on the northwestern side. And it'll probably be enough to hit the leader of the, um, of the fractured force. Okay. I believe we called him the fractured face now. Fractured face. We sure are working hard on that. So now what happens then? Okay. Uh, when I cast a spell, I choose a point you can see under the cloud. A bolt of lightning flashes down from the cloud to that point. Okay. Each creature within five feet of that point must make a dexterity saving throw. So unfortunately, this is going to impact the team. A creature takes 3d10 lightning damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. If we can, I guess let's strike right behind this guy to cut off his escape route and hopefully not hit Roos and Nari. Yeah, you can, you can, you can make that work, yeah. It, it, it lands in front of him and manages to blast at him, um, but it misses Nari and, and Roos. What is the uh, save? How, how much is it again? A DC 17 dex save. Roll the natural 15. Dex save is 15. So, how much damage are you doing? Ooh, 21 lightning damage. 21 lightning damage. This uh, red-scaled lizard folk man turns around. He's going to try to wrestle this crystal back, and suddenly there's a loud clap of thunder, and a lightning bolt strikes the stairs, and he goes flying forward and lands in a heap on the bottom of the stairs, sizzling and smoldering as he dies. Very cool. Yeah, I imagine while this is happening, Ebby, like the wind is whipping his traveler's cloak. His eyes are glowing like a electric blue kind of color. 
almost like Storm from X-Men. He is fully focused <laughs> on the Storm right now. Nice. You know what happens to the leader of the Fractured Force when he's struck by lightning? The same thing as, same everybody, thing as, as everything, everything else. else. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst line from any movie ever. I'm sorry I had to make that comment. Okay. <laughs> You're my uh. best customer. Hey, doggy. <laughs> okay. I, I, I think okay. I discovered worse um, lines. <laughs> oh, hi, doggy. <laughs> oh, I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, oh, Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> okay. Yes. So anyway, how is your sex life? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <sighs> hey, on that note. Okay. The leader of the Fractured Force is now dead. The crystal is now yours for the taking. And we just have these bishops who are still in rough shape and these rifle-wielding soldiers of King Tenor to deal with. Okay, but I just, I want to mention with all of us that I did get to meet Tommy Wiseau and I have picture proof. Are you serious? Yeah, no, I'm no pussy. Like, I literally, like, I spent money to go see Tommy Wiseau. Did you go see, like, was it a showing of the room or whatever? (laughs) Hell yeah, I did. Oh, gosh. It was amazing. You know what? And he it wore a lot like of belts. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, Pine, we are back up to the top of the round. It is your turn. I think this is round five, I think. A lot of people have died in five rounds. Yep. Um, Pine is going to move up now that the now that the crystal is somewhat secured pine is going to move north toward the uh markswoman and the uh bishop so i see that there's another uh bishop over on the east side of this um square yep but pine is going to continue north let's see it's 35 feet that way um pine is going to move 35 feet up and then is going to i'm out of second level spells so I can't try to make this uh, the marks the marksman paralyzed so I'm going to just take my action to do a dash and go right up next to her so if she tries to move out of my way without taking disengage I'm going to unleash holy hell on her <laughs> okay uh, and then for my bonus action I'm going to be moving Kenig's S-talk uh, the 20 feet to kind of uh, come around and maybe offer some support to the other bishop but it's slow going well, and, the, and that bishop is also slowed as well. Yes. Okay, that's my turn. Okay, very good. Okay, Roos, you're up. You've got this crystal, this crystal in front of you, this smoldering body of, uh, of the leader of the Fractured Forest. Nari is there as well. Okay, so Roos is going to uh, move a little ways towards the um, marksman up in the north. Okay. So I'm about five feet away from her and uh, Mr. Pine. And he's going to throw a chakram at her. And he's leaving the crystal down by Nari. Okay. The, uh, only a 14 to hit. Uh, that's going to miss. You know, Gigi can't fly all that distance to make it out to the guy, so I might just bonus action um, try it again. Okay. So this, oh my goodness, a 10 to hit on the second one. So, well, that was my turn. Thanks. <laughs> to be fair, you haven't thrown these chakram in years at this point. Years. Yeah, it's been a long while. It's like you're just getting back into disc golf. All right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <one does. laughs> All right. Um, 
that brings us now to the uh, the marksman who's being confronted by Bordemus. This uh, this guy is going to um, step away from Bordemus again to try to get a clear shot on some other people. Bordemus is going to take a an attack of opportunity um, and miss. And this guy is going to use another one of his special rounds. He is running out of rounds. Um, he has not done that one yet. Oh, that one doesn't work. He tries it and it doesn't work. Um, how does he even know how big? There's a spell called Pulse Wave. Um, I don't know how big the radius is on that. I'm thinking it's pretty good sized. No idea. It sounds made up. A 30 foot cone. Basically, this blasts out like a shotgun blast hitting Ebby. Ebby, I need you to make a dexterity save. Um, difficulty 14. Oof. Okay, here we go again. Come on. Never mind. Sorry. That is a constitution save. Constitution. Okay. I can, can, can re-roll that one. Oh. I mean, unless you want me to keep the d20. Nope. Nope. <laughs> you're good. Okay. 19. Oh. <laughs> ah, there you go. Even better. Um, 26 damage um, comes and hits you, halved to 13, and you can feel it attempt to push you away, uh, but you hold your ground and it does not um, does not push you. Okay. Do I need to do a concentration check for the thunderstorm? Oh, um, you probably do. It's 26 damage so and you took 13 of it, so constitution difficulty 10. 17. Okay. It's still raging. Bordemus, it's his turn. He's going to rush up to uh, confront the rifleman again and take two slashes and, oh my gosh, his rolls are terrible. He rolled a natural two and a natural five. Those are not going to get through. We need to bench him. We need to replace him. He did not come to play today. Get a, get a relief pitcher in there. He's done some damage. Okay. Um, all right. That is Bordemus's turn and that brings us now to the bishop's. The bishop who has freed himself from the thrall of the riflewoman is going to step up by Pine and Roos and is going to take two big swings at the woman who has been harassing him. That is going to be a miss, but then a hit. And that is going to deal only 10 damage. How's she looking, Paul? Um, she's looking like she's about four-fifths of the way down. Oh, good. Looking fine as <laughs> she's got, <laughs> she's got like a soldier's haircut, you know, so it's nice and short to keep out of her face and everything. Um, she's got this purple jacket on over armor, um, and she's got this you know intricate, elaborate, well-made rifle. Um, and you can see she's got like a bandolier across her chest with little slots for different crystals, and it looks like she is covered in blood. She is covered in blood. Looks like she's only got one crystal left, and it is a yellow crystal. All the other slots are empty. Okay, the other bishop, which is slowed, is going to move 15 feet, 5, 10, 15, uh, actually 20 feet, because that's their that's their movement. And then with the help action from Amarok, is going to attempt to dislodge the box from his back. With a natural 7, that's still not enough. Um, cannot get a hold of that uh, box that is connecting uh, this bishop to the marksman uh, that Bordemus is attacking. That brings us now to Nari. Nari, you are standing by this crystal surrounded by dead people. I see dead people. (laughs) 
there is a bishop further north and a marksman, and then there is a bishop further east and another marksman. I, I do see dead people. Uh, Nari is going to grab that crystal and she is going to try to drag it off screen and hope that she can secure it over there. Now, Nari is leaving the battle to secure the crystal. So, Sabrina, see you later. <laughs> yeah, no. Peace out. Being a Goliath, too, she carries things as if she was large. Mm-hmm. Then you don't. You, you can move your normal your normal uh, speed with it, actually. Yeah, no, she's going to grab that crystal and she's going to peace out of that battlefield. You see uh, Nari run off and you hear her laughing to herself saying, 30,000 for me alone! Ha ha ha! <laughs> All right. <laughs> so long, suckers! <laughs> Amarok's turn. Cool. Um, Amarok now, I think now that we're closer to the rifleman, is just going to go ahead and dart in and try to make a bite. Okay. So we will go ahead and do uh, only a 10 to hit. That will miss. Okay. That's it. The uh, the woman who Pine and Roos have been attacking, as well as this other bishop, it is her turn. She um, sees that she is surrounded. She is not doing great. She actually is going to pull out her rifle and point it directly at the bishop and take two shots at the bishop with regular ammunition. Um, she has disadvantage on both of these shots because she is close range. First shot is a miss with a natural two. The second shot is a hit with a 20. She's going to deal a d8 plus a d10. That's eight damage plus four for 12 damage to the bishop. Okay. The bishop is still standing. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, man. For damage, she rolled... On the D8, she rolled a 7. On the D10, she only rolled a 1. Had she rolled a 3, it would be a different story. Oh, man. This bishop has two hit points left. Oh, man. This woman up here in the corner, she is... She's cornered. Um, There's really nowhere for her to go. Actually, that's that's not true. She took a shot at the bishop... And I'm going to make a real quick check for her. And uh, she, I think, sees the writing on the wall. She is going to turn and run down the alleyway and try to get away, leaving the threat range of the bishop as well as pine. Okay. It's an 18 to hit. That'll hit. So that does, oh, that does 19 damage. And on top of that, I will say... Unleash with precision, Swordmaster's Fury. Because I do not want her to get away, and I'll do another two two swipes for 2d8. And that's another 11 damage on top of that. So that would be 30 damage. 30 damage. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's 30 damage. Was it non-lethal? Um, you know what? It doesn't matter. Because the bishop also rolled an attack of opportunity and hit. Okay. And dealt 16 damage. Pine, as you strike her down, whether you struck her down with um, with non-lethal or not, the bishop comes in and just pounds her repeatedly, and she 
is no more. Well, she's she's jelly. She is. Yes, we she is. We've all wanted to be pounded repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ebby, it is your turn. Well, okay. I think Ebby is going to turn the attention to the rifleman. And in the space kind of off to the side here, just, just north of him. So this might hits Amarok, but that's okay. Um, Amarok is just to his side, trying to nip at him. Um, but we're going to call down another lightning strike. Okay, and it's a... What kind of save is it again? DC 17 deck save. Okay, a failure. Natural 3, which gives him a 3. No, actually gives him a... Never mind, gives him a lot. Uh, but still, not, not enough. Okay, and then I'll roll the deck save for Amarok right now with a 20, a non-nat 20. So Amarok will save. And the damage is 18. So Amarok will take nine of that, which is a big blow to Amarok, but he is still kicking. Oh, what a tough boy. Tough boy. Um, Well, and the rifleman will take 10 of that as well. Oh, so he saved? No, he failed, but he's still linked to the bishop. Oh, but he's still connected. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um... And so that's that's Ebby's action. Now with his bonus action, he is going to, I think seeing that he just did damage to Amarok, is actually going to call out and cast a second level spell slot of Erdos's word on Amarok and say, sorry buddy, stay in this and heal him for 11. So bringing him right back up to full. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, that brings us now to the um, burning, charred husk of a leader of the Fractured Force. Uh, and then now, back to the top of the round. Pine, you have, um, you are kind of on the other end of the battle at this point. You have a very damaged bishop and Roos. Oh, do I? Do I have a very damaged bishop? Then I'm going to go ahead and use some commander's morale on him. Oh, fantastic. And I'm gonna I'm gonna dump uh, thirty hit points into this guy. Oh wow! So that's my action. And then for my bonus action, let's go ahead and move uh, Kenig's S talk twenty feet closer to the marksman. <laughs> okay. Still nowhere near him. Uh, and then uh, I guess um, Pine is going to bend over, pick up the rifle and the crystal off her bandolier and get ready to try to take a shot at the um, the, the rifleman across the way if uh, he gets a chance next round. Okay. In game terms, uh, I'm treating the rifle with as D8 stats, or as a, basically a longbow stats, um, and the crystals are special ammunition. Um, this yellow crystal um, is a special round. Other than that, you can use regular ammunition to shoot it with a, you know, for D8 uh, of damage plus your dex modifier. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, Roos, it is your turn. Roos is going to move and then take the dash and uh, stand right next to Evie. And then, um, no, that, that'll be it. All right, it is the marksman's turn. Which one does the marksman still have left? Fireball, pulse wave. Oh, there's one more that he's got. 
Um, you see him reach up onto his bandolier and pull the last special round off of his bandolier. Uh, and he does the whole thing where he kisses it real quick, flicks it in the air, bounces it off his elbow, opens the breech of his rifle. It lands right in, pulls it up, winks at you, and shoots right at Ebby and Roos. Um, I need um, you guys both to make dexterity saving throws. Difficulty 14. Oof. Here we go again. Oh, no. We both failed. Roos got a 10, but he's going to activate his ring of evasion, one of the charges, and uh, turn that into a success. Okay. And Ebby got an 8 and can do no such fancy thing. All right. Although, hold on one sec. I might use my inspiration. Can I do that? (laughs) I think you can. Your inspiration from five years ago when you uh, created the grove? Yeah. (laughs) Are you the plant grove? Awesome. So I get to re-roll that that d20 then? Is that cool? Uh, The inspiration gives you a plus. It was a d8 of of inspiration. You roll a d8. Oh, a d8. That's right. Uh, I have to roll high with this, but let's try it. Six or more. Come on. Oh, I rolled a seven. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Um, let's see. The damage is actually not that bad. It just spreads out like crazy. Oh, actually, the bishop is going to take it, too. Um, oh, he makes it. Um, okay, so. Oh, probably Amarok, too. Yeah, Amarok does definitely, too. Yes, yes. The damage is eight damage. Have to four. That's so lame. Oh. Cool, and Amarok got a 16 on the save, so he saved two. So y'all take four damage. That was the weakest. Okay. Is that really? Is only a 3d4 for damage? It, no, it's a... Oh, oh, no, wait, scratch that. Let's do that again. It's supposed to be 3d6, but it's a 60-foot cone, so it just, it hits a bunch of people. Um, it can oh. hit a lot of people. So it's actually 10 damage, so it's instead of everyone taking four damage, you each take five damage. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> Good clarification. Sweet. <laughs> and then he is actually going to um, 5, 10, 15, 20. He is going to try to scoot off the board past Bordemus, who is going to take an attack of opportunity and roll a natural two. <laughs> Bordemus, you have just had a rough day. Um, this rifleman manages to get um, away from everybody, uh, runs down the street, starts um, hiding in some alleyways. You um, you know that there is still some kind of a connection between this rifleman and this bishop that has been slowed. But at this point, there is no one left on the field alive. And that means it's time to cue victory music. That was intense. <laughs> well, as you guys are standing here on Baker Way, um, there is a dead soldier of King Tenor. There is one that got away, and you have two massive hulking bishops, and buildings are on fire. Um, Nari is nowhere to be seen. She has taken off with the crystal. Nari, where are you going? I don't think Nari would go too far. Like, she would definitely want, like, the boys to catch up. Um, okay. Okay. But she would just want to be safe from attacks. Got it. And Nari can always tell us where she is because we're connected through Squire still. Yeah, yes, and honestly, are. at this point, like with King Tenor and his damage and all the stuff that he put us through, I would be 
Dari would be heavily encouraging us to leave the city. Agreed. Like, get out now. Yeah. Yes. Let's, let's well, go. And this, this whole area, too, is like on fire and in flames. <laughs> yeah. Bruce, Abby, can you disguise yourself as officers? And then, um, and Pine will be taking the, uh, the purple, like, you said it was like a purple duster, right? Yeah, it's like a purple duster. Yeah. Um, it goes over armor. He'll be taking the purple duster off of the, uh, the marksman that, uh, was killed earlier. Probably pretty gross, but yeah, he'll take that and, and put it on and... Maybe if we look like we're, um, soldiers of the city, of the kingdom, we can, we can just go out through the gates. That's a great idea, but first we need to stop by the the temple of Erdos to grab those crates, and then we can leave the city. Oh, now we have helpers to lift the crates. We certainly do. And should we honestly leave this crystal? Should we leave it with Sir Bordemus and give him more faith to protect it this time? I I think that it might be beneficial to put it in the hands of Tabor, you know? Well, or in the hands of the free peoples of Aleel. Weren't they looking for crystal power sources for their experiments? Of course. What about that stasis field? This could power that stasis field. Yeah, you guys are talking. Um, are you guys moving? Are you guys standing here amongst the fires? Oh, we're, we're moving. Oh, I think we're booking. Yeah. We're yeah. booking it. Are the bishops with you too? Oh, yeah. Okay, there are these massive bishops moving through the city. Clomp, 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 clomp. I'd want to try to do, too, is get a look as we're clomping through. Get a look at this box that I've seen the bishops trying to remove and see if I can figure out how to get rid of it. Yeah, it's 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 easy enough. You just have to hit it and then deal 20 damage to it, which does damage the bishop as well. I'll say, I'm sorry, buddy. And I'm going to take two big swings on the uh, box, if that's cool, with everybody around me. Not a problem. Yeah, I will burn a second level spell slot as well after that to heal whatever damage ultimately gets done to this bishop. Okay. Okay. So total I did um, with two attacks. I hit twice. I imagine 21 and 26 to hit. And then I did of all of that. The first attack I did 13 piercing and two cold. And the second attack I did eight piercing and five cold. So total that makes 28 damage. 28 damage. Okay. okay. And then Ebby did 14 healing to try to make up for some of that. Okay. All right. Nice, guys. Let's let's move on. You still have two heavily damaged bishops. Um, one is in worship, the other, but they are both would be considered bloodied. Okay. So it is nighttime in the city of Arkelby. You guys have managed to get away from Baker Way. You do hear like people calling out, a fire, there's a fire. Uh, you see people like rushing out to go see what's going on. You can see people starting to like um, run to wells and get buckets and start to try to put some of these houses out as you guys are moving away. You have an old man dressed like a soldier um, of the uh, of the of the kingdom of Arkelby. I will have removed the mask I was wearing to the hawk skull mask. Okay, you have two bishops who are in some sort of disrepair. Um, you have a um, a knight. Uh, with red skin and horns, who is um, also quite bloody. Um, and you have a seven-foot-tall woman carrying a massive red crystal. Um, you casually, guys are... Casually, The um, I'm just going to let you know, right now you guys would know, the purple duster that you're wearing is not going to help you get past any kind of scrutiny at all. Uh, you guys are just way too conspicuous. 
And we have no way to summon the airship. Yeah, is there some some way we can contact them? I, I don't have any way. Maybe we should get underground. Emerak, fly ahead and see if you can get to the airship. We need them to, to rendezvous with us as soon as possible. Emrock's not like the fastest thing in the world, but he does have a 40 foot fly speed. And if he just continually takes the dash action, my hope is that that'll help. And that seems reasonable. And we can get underground like Portimus has connections and we can we can easily like bring this thing underground. Portimus says, if we can get three more blocks down, I, I actually have somebody who who might be able to help us, but we have to get there. So what I want is I want everyone to make stealth checks. Anything you want to do before you make that check, uh, go ahead and do it. But I would love some stealth checks. We need to get to the temple and get those crates as well before we leave the town. I think if we can get below ground, hide these bishops, and then maybe we can regroup and, and get to the temple. We might It might be better just to get out of sight first and then go from there. Um, what's everybody's rolls? Pine rolled a 16. Uh, Roos got a 13. I, I want to double check because the Pass Without Trace might still be active. Okay, did you take any damage? I took one hit. Nope, it's not up anymore. I, I would have failed that concentration check. Ebby got a 14 stealth. Nari rolled a 10, so. And do we have, do we still have access to Bordemus's plus four or is that just on attacks and saves? Uh, it's on saves and attacks. It's not on skill checks. Okay. And it only lasts a minute, so it would have failed. It would have been done by now. Um, okay. So here's what happens. Uh, not enough of you passed the stealth check. You guys start moving through the city, heading towards... Bartimus says, there's a bakery around the corner up there. As you hear shouts say, Halt! Who goes there? And you see a bunch of Arkovian soldiers rushing towards you guys as you look so conspicuous. And um, Bordemus looks at you guys and says, we should probably split up as he turns and starts running. The One of the bishops is actually going to go with Bordemus. The other bishop looks at you guys um, and says, I do not know this city. Where is safe? Pine will say, go with Ebby and point to Ebby. And then he'll say, meet me at the place at the time with the thing. And he'll run off a different direction. Okay. Um, Ebby, you have a bishop that's going to go with you. Roos and Nari, where are you guys going? Are you guys all scattering in different directions? Yeah, I think with Nari carrying this important piece, uh, she would just do her best to kind of like run ahead as fast as possible. Well, and Nari would know too this city a little bit better than other people. Um, having been a part of the Rose Syndicate years and years ago. And, you know, she very well may have some... Actually, you do have some connections here, actually. Not not just Nilla and Bordemus. You have some other connections that you've created as you've been trying to infiltrate these uh, uh, cults of, inevit- of inevitability. That's such a hard word to say. What was I thinking <laughs> using that word? <laughs> the cults of inevitability. You know, we should name, we should name another airship cult of inevitability. oh gosh you guys all kind of scatter and run off in different directions um so i what i want everyone to do now at this point i just want you guys to make a luck check um and the way i'm going to do this is i'm going to let you add your best stat um to the roll so a d20 plus whatever your best stat is bruce got a 21 okay nice i got a 17 Okay. 
Uh, Nari got a nat 20. Whoa! Ebby rolled a 2 for a 7. Oh, <laughs> Alright, as you guys scatter, um, Nari, you realize very, very quickly that there is actually um, a man that you have worked with in the past who has actually infiltrated one of these cults of of a nebula. Gosh, one of these Iramiel cults. Let me call him that. (laughs) Um, You you get to his house with this gem. Um, He has actually been out of that whole like uh, espionage, you know, uh, underground uh, type of work. uh, for you, he's kind of taken a break for the last probably eight, nine months, but you find his house very, very quickly and uh, you pound on the door and he opens the door, recognizes you right away and pulls you in and says, quick, hide in here. Um, he was already awake because he could hear the people shouting about the fire. Um, Roos, with your 21, you, um, you're you just slick. Like you start running away from everything and you get around a corner and instantly you're just like, you just play it cool you pretend to be, you know, somebody who's interested in what's going on down uh, in the in Baker's Way, all the fire and stuff, and you you manage to kind of turn the flip the script, and you uh, are no longer being pursued. You are now playing the part of a of a townsfolk. Pine, with your seventeen, uh, you are running down the street away, and at one point you see some soldiers coming a different direction towards the fires. You slow your pace. You nod at them, they give you a little quizzical look, but they don't stop to ask questions and they keep moving past you. Ebby, you are moving through the city, being pretty, you know, quick about it. And behind you, every step you take, you hear the thud, thud, thud of this massive bishop behind you. And before long, you see some soldiers at a, um, at a crossroad and they see you and they say, halt, and they start rushing towards you guys. I want you to make an insight check. Okie dokie. Please not a terrible roll. Ah, a 10. Um, as they approach, what are you going to do? Are you still running or did you stop? Um, he'll stop because... Pine had recommended that we kind of dress up as like soldiers, so Ebby's disguised self is still that, where he's trying to look like like a soldier. Okay. And so he will definitely stop and say, we were told to go and secure the outer walls immediately. They might be trying to escape. You see a uh, one of these soldiers has like golden braids on his shoulder. Um, he is not wearing a marching band uniform. Sorry, that's a throwback to a long time ago, but I knew that somebody would bring that up. No marching band uniform, but he definitely has a saxophone around his neck. <laughs> he is obviously, um, he's obviously uh, an officer. Um, and he steps forward and he says, no, you're with us. We might need him. And he points to the to the bishop. This is the bishop who was not quite as damaged. Um, Come with us. Help us put out this fire and see what caused all this mess. And they start moving back towards Baker Way. What is Ebby going to do? The bishop looks at you, Ebby, and even though he can't change his face and the expression, you can tell by his body language, bewilderment. Like, almost like I just escaped and now I'm being drawn back in. How, how many people were in this group of soldiers? Uh, there's an officer and like six soldiers. So it's a pretty big group. I think Ebby is going to say, 
Yes, sir. We'll be right behind. The Ormek is a bit damaged, but we'll try to follow as closely as we can. Okay. The officer turns back around and says, what the hell's an Ormek? Oh, that's what we call them. And he is going to make an insight check (laughs) on you. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) A natural 20. Oh, Oh, my gosh. That was so bad. Oh, he pulls out his sword, points it at you, Ebby, and at this bishop, at this Ormek, and he says, Stop them! And, Ebby, this is more of a dramatic response to some bad rolls. This Ormek turns to you, Ebby, puts his hands on your shoulders, and says, Run! And pushes you away as he rushes towards these six soldiers. Oh! This bishop goes into combat against six soldiers. Looking at it, I'm gonna be a butthead. There is nothing you can do to rescue this bishop. You can only rescue yourself at this point. Okay. He has sacrificed himself for you. Oh. Giving you that split second you need to get away. Okay. Ebby will will take it, and actually the moment he rounds the corner, he will use robotic reconfiguration and turn into a wolf and start, like, bolting through the streets as an animal. Nari and the boys, Ortimus and the other surviving bishop, meet back up after a crazy night of running, trying to get the airship over the city, realizing that's probably a bad idea because everyone is on high alert. You are back in the Tomb of the Ten Maidens, in the uh, the headquarters of the Wilted Rose, as you are licking your wounds and discussing what happened tonight. Nilla is there as well. Is the... Uh... Is the bishop with us? The bishop is not with you. The bishop can't fit down here. The bishop is stowed away in one of the back rooms, like the in the uh, storage room of the tailor shop, of the uh, the cut above tailors. Okay. And actually, uh, interesting interesting thing about the bishops, they can fold down into a very small like box shape, which is why oftentimes they'll transport them in crates. Um, and actually, she folded down into um, as small a space as she can and is hiding behind some clothes. But here you are licking your wounds. Uh, I imagine some heavy hearts, but also you guys have this crystal. It's. It does seem like we need to get on the uh, O'Leal Eagle as quick as possible. Well said. I mean, literally, well said. It's very hard to say. <laughs> it's hard to say. And I do think we should bring our our newfound friend, if you know what I mean. We absolutely have to. She's not safe in the city. There is there is no other choice. We absolutely have to get her out. Well, she does pack up nice and tight. Maybe we can put her in a crate just to get her out. And then how are we going to get out? And what are we going to do with this crystal? Bordemus looks at Nilla and he puts his hand on her hand. And he says... My dear, I, 
I feel I've been compromised. I need to get out of the city for a short time as well. Let the heat dissipate before I can come back. But I'm sure that there's some things that I can do for you, for what we are doing, for our movement, just elsewhere, for the time being, for a short time. And she nods. She says, yes, I, I think that would be best. And she puts her hand back on top of his and she says, but please, just return to me as soon as you can, as soon as it's safe. And then she turns to you all and says, so what should be done? Lufbordimus has to leave. Maybe if we can get him out, maybe he can accompany our new friend. What was her name? Did she ever tell us her name? Yes, actually, she did tell you her name. Her name is actually Aleri. E-L-E-R-I. Aleri. Well, if we can get Bordemus and Aleri out of the city, maybe he could, while he's out outside the city, maybe he could take her to the, the free peoples over in Tabory. She would be safe there. He, he nods. He says, yes, I, I think I, that sounds like a good idea. Yes, that or she could accompany us on the Allele Eagle and we could eventually drop her off en route to, to old Almar. Are we heading, well, drop her off where? With the, uh, with the other, um, the other groups of, of Ormex? Yes. She could be very useful, I mean, but I guess we should probably ask what she wants. Of course, of course. And, and as far as this crystal goes, um, Abby, didn't you say you, you thought, uh, your people could make use of it? Um, I do believe so, actually, yes. I think that it would coincide with a lot of the research that they're doing, and it would provide ample energy for them to be able to continue the research that they're performing. So maybe Sir Bordemus and our new friend could take this take this crystal there to the free people. The Fallen Rose would be losing out on a lot of resources without the payment for it. I mean, I don't... I don't... Nari will kind of look at uh, uh, Noah, but say... To be honest, I don't think there's a way of of getting rid of this kind of money without calling attention to ourselves, clearly. Yeah, too hard to sell. And she nods, especially here. No, I... If you trust these people, I... I trust you. I trust them with my life. And... More importantly, with this crystal. She nods and she says... I can get you out of the city. We have a way. There were some crates that you were talking that you mentioned, Roos. Yeah, they were <laughs> the the priests and priestesses over there at uh, the Temple of Erdos were getting a shipment ready of potions and uh, scrolls of healing to give to King Tenor. I convinced them to instead offer them to Queen Kira in defense against Tenor's tyranny. Quite the silver tongue you have there, and it'd be pretty hard to do. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure how it worked, but um, we managed to convince him. Uh, Bordemus says, well, if I'm heading to Tabry, I can take those as well. And let's be honest, having Aleri with me, I'm not worried anyone of have anyone trying to steal them from me on the road? If she will accompany you. I just, I feel bad. Nilla, uh, Bordemus, you have, um, 
looking to gain some resources from the sale of that crystal. I feel like you're coming away at a negative with the loss of Bordemus in the city. And Pine will um, open his pouch and pull 500 gold and put it on the table for Nilla. Nilla puts her hand on your hand. She says, only if, only if you're sure that you won't need this. Have you seen this sword? This is all I need. <laughs> and I'll swish the sword. It's like, did you know that I don't even have to breathe technically because of this necklace that's never come into play? <laughs> I forgot about that. I'm pretty, I'm, I think I'm okay for now. The Wilted Rose is honestly a, a, an important part of our mission. And I, I feel like I speak for Pine in myself when I say that I would much rather have you guys around. No matter what the cost. Okay. I will gladly accept your offering. And I feel that our work here is, well, it's a little hindered at this point because of, well, war, right? Um, nothing is normal now. I think that if anything, now is a good time for us to lay low and to take stock of what we have and what we need to do. Uh, as far as these cults of Iremil, I wish there was something more I could do for you as you are heading into the belly of the beast. But sadly, the crystal is what we have to give. And honestly, it's more yours than mine anyway. Keep an eye out for Ember. I, I haven't seen her these last five years. If If you find her, make sure she's safe. That's more than you could do for anything for me. She uh, takes you uh, by the hands and she gives you a big hug. And she says, of course, we have to stay together. Fallen Rose, right? Always. And while you're laying low, you may look into the name Silas. 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 Right. Silas has been uh, a point of contact for King Tenor for uh, recruiting naive followers of, of Iramil. To do his dirty work. Silas is? You say Silas. Well, that's the name we heard, right? You see a little excitement in her eyes. And she pulls out a little book and she starts writing down the name Silas. She's like, yes, I will look into this right away. Well, I hope I'm not condemning an innocent man to death. It was Silas, right, everybody? We're clear on that? I believe so, yeah. No, absolutely. <sighs> Pine mops the sweat from his forehead. <laughs> awesome. I've also drafted a letter that I've hired some people to distribute around the city and I'll give you a copy as well. Oh, that reminds me, Roos. Here, this is for you. And I'll hand over the bundle of papers on the uh, the uh, family tree and stuff that I got from Horton. Thank you, Mr. Pine. I think there's something interesting in there. You might be able to find it. I just, I mean, it's not incest. That's not what you're looking for. It's like this. There's other more interesting things in there. I... That was not what I was expecting you to say. I don't <laughs> I didn't think that I was looking for that at all. But, I mean, if it's in there, I guess royal lines typically have some. Well, they do call it a royal line, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's more of a royal stream that kind of just, like, braids together. <laughs> the royal oh, chain. The royal wreath. <laughs> oh, Jesus, a wreath. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we are going to kind of tie this all up in a nice little bow. Uh, Nari and the boys, you guys spend the night here recovering 
Um, Alary is resting upstairs. Um, you wait until morning when Nari uh, and the boys, you guys are escorted through a couple of secret passageways. Pine, you're excited about this, as well as a tunnel that leads out under the city walls, recently discovered, very ancient. We'll say there was even a fight with a zombie or two just to get out of the city, but you managed to get out of the city. Alary and uh, Bordemis are making plans to leave the city. They have already gone to the Temple of Erdos and acquired the crates of healing potions and scrolls and are going to make their way west towards Tabori and try to leave and beat the army uh, before it actually leaves. One thing you guys didn't see about Arkelvy until you guys are actually aboard the Allele Eagle and flying away is that the armies of Arkelvy have been mustered and they have large camps south of the city. I was going to say they are, they have mustered and they are going to catch up to you guys. No, I'm just going to admit this term. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are going to join Nari and the boys as they have reconvened aboard the Allele Eagle north of town and are discussing what is to happen next. Just a quick reminder for all of our listeners, Roos has a lead-lined box with two cursed swords inside, and um, the party would like to go to, um, I think, Almar at some point, uh, or the city-states of Rakolia. They they did get a, a lead down there, but you guys have gathered together in the cabins um, of the Allele Eagle, the Ormex who have been running the ship while you guys have been away are taking to it like fish, like a fish takes to water, um, handling the ship with with ease. How is how is Daffodil doing with command of the ship? <laughs> Daffodil very quickly handed it off to somebody else, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, she has just been drawing and describing and you know taking notes of the area around the city of Arkham. They've actually been flying the ship around. Um, you know, staying away from civilization and things like that, but just trying to get a view of the world. Um, before we get to the conversation in the cabins of the Allele Eagle, how's Ebby doing? Uh, he's pretty shook from all of this. I think the the weight of having lost one of the bishops has like really kind of messed him up. Is that a story you would share with the other Ormex aboard the ship? Would you tell them about the bishops that you rescued? Um, I think he probably would mention something to the effect of we were able to liberate one of them, but I don't know that he's willing to kind of like own up that there was a second one and that it died to save him. Okay. All right. You are aboard the Allele Eagle in your cabin. And I imagine you are discussing what is going to happen next. So where to from here? What You have this box with cursed swords. What's the next step there, uh, Roos? I think the nearest temple to Lord Laramie is in the city Marlek. It's uh, south of here a little bit. Um, we could, if you guys aren't opposed, we can make a quick stop there and then continue on our journey. Honestly, so far we've been making pretty good time, right? We say, quick stop. We stop for like a day and then we're on our way again. I think that sounds good. Well, each quick stop turns into a lot of people dying lately. Uh, well, as long as we don't die. Uh, Wait, what's that? 
Oh, yes. No, yeah, I, I, wherever. I guess wherever we're going is fine. Maybe we're going to, um, we're going to go release Ruth from his curse. Oh, yes. Sorry, I just feel a bit distracted. Yeah. Is everything all right? Well, no. No, everything isn't all right. But there's nothing we can do about it at this point. King Tenor is using your people as slaves. Oh, I'm well aware. Let's go handle this curse, and then we can see about that piece. What if we connect the people of Alil with Quinkira so that in this war that they will undoubtedly use your people as slaves in, that they might rescue some? If it's possible, I think it's worth trying. I just... I wanted so badly to save them both, you know? Is there... You know, I'm not a scientific... I'm not scientifically inclined. But is there a way that you could do, like, a mass release over a wide area? I mean, we'd have to be able to somehow connect with all of them almost simultaneously. I would imagine that the mechanics of and the energy required to do that, to touch the consciousness of every single Ormec in an area, would be astronomical. It would, it would certainly propose a challenge. Is that something that might be possible at the the facility we talked about in Almar, the, where, they, where, where the Ormecs first came from? Well... I don't know. We'd have to probably confer with a few other scholars or others that might know. I mean, in theory, the crystalline matrix that existed throughout all of Pavantis, uh, you know, it, it peeks through in various locations, but there is an interconnectedness. Now, whether the shattering of the engine severed all of that connection to everything else, or if that could provide an ample conduit, that if we were able to channel enough energy through the matrices, um, that we might be able to kind of force our way into that, into the psyche of, of these Ormex. It's all theoretical. We'd have to see if it's even possible. Um, Jordan, make an insight check for Abby as you're discussing this. Sure. A non-natural 20. As you're talking about this, you think that, yeah, you, you, you think, yeah, it, it might be possible given the right circumstances, but you're also fairly certain that whoever attempts it, even if they're successful, it will probably cost them their lives. I don't think Ebby says that to the group, though. I was just thinking if there were a way that we could enter a city as such as Arkleby, where there's a number of your people enslaved and we could just set off like a localized charge or discharge of something that might free them all simultaneously might make um, your efforts a lot faster but as I said I am not someone who even knows anything about this stuff um, Ebby you would know with that um, dirty 20 insight check that there is something intimate about releasing the Ormex and that the idea of a localized pulse or something, it's either got to be individual, very intimate, or it has to be basically all at once, huge sacrifice type of a thing. There's really no kind of, at least not that you can think of, 
any kind of localized, um, you know, blast that you can do. Yeah, I, I, I think Ebby would basically just shrug at Roos's comment, even though he probably knows that it's basically impossible. Um, he doesn't want to remove the hope from them. Okay. Well, there's always a possibility we could also leave one of these teams here in Arkelvy. If they'd be interested. I know they want to go to Almar, but... With the armies here, it, they would be sitting ducks. It's far too risky here. I mean, well, I... I yes, there is risk. There is there's risk. The, the plan was that they would attempt to blend in with the Deacon population. And that would still work here potentially, but you're right. It is much riskier here. Since we've already liberated the, uh, those bishops and the one that was with me attacked soldiers, so no doubt word has spread and a suspicious eye will already be trained on Ormechs that are throughout the ranks of the, of the military currently and throughout the city, no doubt. I think it's just far too hot in this region to consider that at this time. Yes, well... Um, what was the name? Je- Jesme- Jesamine? I think you're right. Jesamine was uh, one of the liberators, yes. Okay, so Pine, Pine will be like, we should ask Jesamine if if these, you know, nine are all that are trained and ready to release Ormex from their slavery. If there's more, if there's that, that knowledge is elsewhere within, you know, your Kilava, there is potential as well, should actual war break out, as you said, they may be able to release them on the battlefield as well. Ebby kind of like has his head hung in thought and he's kind of tapping his finger metallically clanking on his chin. He's like, you know, you may be onto something there. If, if war breaks out and the bulk of the units are distracted by the strategic necessities of war, then it's possible that a group of one or two liberators might be able to go through the ranks and begin to liberate groups and potentially um, build a force within or even as the battles rage. Um, of course, incredibly risky, but there could be some strategic application of that. And honestly, here's the thing. That approach could also help the people of Tabri. But again, that's not necessarily your people's fight. I know that you and I, we want to do our best to help Tabori as well as the free peoples of Alil. Right. But it would be a great risk to try to help both at the same time, or at least to commit a team to trying to help both at the same time. Yes, I think we'd need to coordinate that with Tabori at least before pushing for such a for such a tactic. Um also, real quick, Ebby, uh, you would also know, I mean, if you want to just talk pure numbers, um, when you guys were here in Arkelvy, you did not see that many Ormex. Um, and Ebby, when you were down in the old Alamar province in Rakolia, the free, the city-states of Rakolia, um, you saw way more deacons and Ormex moving around there. Definitely a higher concentration. Got it. And that's why these liberator teams were going to go there. But you can talk to them about staying here in Arkelvy if, if you want to. That's that's cool. I just want to let you know, as far as numbers, Rakolia is where they are at. I just think our hearts are currently hurt. Yeah, that is a big part of it, for sure. So I think Abby's kind of going to say, I mean, there are options that we can consider. I think let's focus on the task at hand and fully liberate Roos from 
the curse that he's dealing with, and then we can see what next steps need to be otherwise. I have no doubt that we'll be able to free Ruth from these cursed swords. Most of the process is done. I've just got one more step. Okay, well then, there you go. It's easy. Once we're done there, we can... I mean, my vote would be to go seek out the facility west of Kaltup in the mountains. I think that there may be some useful information there for multiple fronts. Is that where you were awoken, Ebby? There near Kaltup? I don't know. I think it may have been. It was so long ago now that... Uh, and, and at the time, I didn't know the region. I didn't know anything, really. But I, I think it very well could have been. What are your thoughts, everyone else? I hate leaving my sister to a to a battle and a, a war like this, but I think with that wind that we heard the other day, the forces of inevitability are moving on, and they are continuing with whatever their goals are, and we need to stop them if we can. Ruse, I think you make a great point, and while I don't think that by any stretch of the imagination, your sister's plight and the plight of the people of Tabery is a distraction. I think that that is exactly what the forces of inevitability will treat it as. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if their fingers are in these events as well to keep us distracted from what we need to do. Yeah. As the four of you sit in the cabin of the Allel Eagle, you send word to the Ormex who have been flying the ship that it is time to set a course for the south towards the city of Marlek, a city that Roos knows very well. The last time he was there, pretty sure an airship exploded from underneath him and his sister was changed forever. But that's going to have to wait until next time. <laughs> and the only known successful jailbreak in the bastion yes that yeah. it was six eight out of jail yes so <laughs> yes definitely definitely hey, out of jail a number of them survived so i mean not all of them but <laughs> not all of them oh anyway well if you like what we're doing go uh check out our discord let us know um you can check out our patreon as well let your friends and family know spread the word and uh it really helps us out a lot and don't forget, we are coming to Fanex September 22nd to the 24th of 2022. And until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. Nerds. <laughs> <laughs>